Sam Saitel's Pillars of Hamilton. I was walking down the street the other day. I ran into somebody and I said, you know what? You have a daughter in second grade. You must be pretty excited that she has Dr. Demiso Josie as an assistant principal. And the mom said, who? And I said, what? And she said, huh? And I was like, oh, no. You don't know Dr. Demiso Josie? People, if you're listening to this podcast and you have a friend who's going to the elementary school and they don't know Dr. Demiso Josie, please share this podcast with them. This is an amazing man and we are so lucky to have him in our town. I want to work with him in the future. I want to work with him forever. He's the man. He's the myth. He's the legend. And he one day will be my kid's assistant principal. And I am so psyched. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest, Dr. Demiso Josie. The doctor is in the house. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm still not sure what to call you, man. I was calling you Dr. Demiso in my head all day, uh-huh. but then you told me. Uh, you, call- can, you just call me Demiso or Dr. Josie, as my, my students call me. Students call you Dr. Josie. Yes, sir. Okay, very cool. Um, very, very, very highly recommended, man. <laughs> now you said the bar too high, man. Bro, you know. the bar has been set, <laughs> not by me, but by every single person I talk to that knows uh, you. Uh, from, it, from my employees uh-huh. to the person who recommended you, who uh-huh. we'll talk about later. Uh-huh. Just... Um, I got to tell you why I'm so psyched to do this interview, man, is because uh, I know that you and I are very different people, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I feel like you and I share the same goals in life. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's figure that out. Let's see what, let's see what we got going on. We got a lot, but first let's just talk <laughs> about you, man. Okay. Uh, how did this start? Uh, I, I heard um, you like to talk about your, your upbringing because mm-hmm. that has, of course, had a huge impact on who you are today. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know how much time you got, but my, my story is deep. It's rich. Um, Let's go. It, it's really interesting. So I grew up in a town, Glassboro, New Jersey, which isn't too far from here. And I actually graduated from Delsey Regional High School. Um, I have two older brothers that are twins. Um, they're four years older than me. Um, and growing up, you know, I had a decent childhood. And then my mother and father got a divorce. Um, my dad was addicted to um, substance abuse and things of that nature, so he ended up leaving. And I didn't see my dad until um, I graduated college. But I'll come back to that point in a second. Um, so my mother couldn't um, hold down the house by herself, so we ended up moving in with my grandmother, and my uncle lived there. And it was a two-bedroom house. So I, I'm sorry, can yes, I ask sir. how old you were when this? I was about three years old, three, four years oh, old. Oh, you were very young. I was okay. very young, yeah, yeah. So... Um, we moved into my grandmother's house, and it was two bedrooms. It was six of us living in there. And our living conditions were um, my grandmother had a cot in her bedroom, so I would sleep there one night, and then I would rotate to my mother's bed sometimes, and then I would rotate to the living room between me and my brothers. Why would you rotate like that? Um, because my uncle also had the same disease that my father did, but he was very abusive, verbally, physically abusive. So I guess me and my brothers kind of figured like the person that slept in the living room caught the wrath first. So we kind of rotated amongst ourselves to kind of see if we can kind of defend ourselves and ward off, you know, the, the abuse from the other one. So wow. every third night it was my turn. So, I mean, my, my uncle would, put gasoline on the floor, get ready to burn down the house down, punch holes in the wall. 
Uh, I remember one time I was about seven, eight years old. He told me he was going to kill me. Um, so, I, so wait. Yep. Would these happen randomly or did something? Oh, this was almost every night. Would something would just set him off and something he would start? Set him off. Um, and, you know, my grandfather had passed. I didn't get a chance to know him. And apparently he was very strong-willed and everything. And then once he left, I guess my uncle kind of felt like he was uh, the man of the house. But he also dealt with a lot of mental illness things, too, on top of the substance abuse. Thing. So what is that like for... Uh for for uh, me for or for a three year old doctor to me, so the the weird thing is is I thought it was normal, right? Because everybody in my neighborhood had a single family you know home and everybody was going through their own thing and I just thought it was normal, um, and it was times where um, my mother would take us to hotels and i would literally be up two o'clock in the morning doing my homework by the on the desk at the hotel and hotels to get away to get away right so things really got worse though when because my brothers were four years older than me really got worse when they went to college so i was in there by myself at that t- that point so instead of every third night being my night in the living room every night became my night in the living room you know how old were you at that point at that point um i was a freshman in high school you had been going on this has been going on since you were three absolutely yes and nobody knew teachers didn't know like i said i thought it was normal um so it got to a point uh, my senior year i actually met my my wife in middle school and I was ashamed to bring her around the house because, you know, we had rats, rats, roaches and everything else and abuse and everything on top of that. And my senior year basketball season, we just clinched the playoff berth. And I said, you know what? Come by the house. We're going to watch some movies. So my girlfriend, my wife comes over and we're sitting there watching movies. And I hear the keys jingling at the door. I already knew my uncle was coming in. It was a Friday night. So I already know he was inebriated. I already knew this, this situation was going to go down but this was be the first time my girlfriend my wife would actually see it so he comes in um asked me in so many words what is she doing here as i stand up he flips the couch over mind you my wife is still on the couch <gasps> so at that point i had figured enough's enough so it was either gonna be me or him so i go into the kitchen i grab the biggest knife that i possibly could find and I go in there, and I was content it was going to be me or him. One of us was not going to leave out that room. By the grace of God, my mother walks in and calls my name uh, very calmly and tells, t- tells me to leave. If she didn't walk in at that particular moment in time, I wouldn't be standing here right now. Uh, I promise you that. That's, that's 100% fact. Um, so I ended up leaving. That was the last night I spent in that house. Moved in with aunts. Moved in. We finally got our apartment in our own place. Um, but the trauma... I was still dealing with the trauma. Mind you, I still didn't have a father in the house. You had that trauma during the most three to what? What did you say, seven, 16? I, I'm going to say until I graduated high school, so 18, 19 years old. Going Come on, on almost every single night. While this was going on, was there any love at all or was it all this? Um, no, I mean, me and my brothers and my mother, we were extremely tight. Um, you know, the, the love that we had for each other and the support that we had for each other was, was always there. And it was aunts and uncles and things that would come and I would spend nights here and there over there too. So that, that I did experience love. Um, the people in my neighborhood, the same kids that I grew up with, we're basically like a family. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting how about 12 to 15 of us all came out of that situation to become successful in our own rights. Um, so there was love that was in there. Um, what really saved my life was basketball because I would play basketball until I couldn't feel anymore because I was so frustrated and stressed. I put everything into that particular sport. So there was nights that I would shovel snow off the court 
my hands freezing. And I'm was just in the neighborhood, like a neighborhood right there, neighborhood park, um, right down the street from our house. It's got to be a special place in your heart uh, for that place. Absolutely, but that was the place that everybody came to because everybody was dealing with their own thing, and it was like you know we're going to go out here and play because we love the sport, but release all of our frustrations in a positive way. So growing up, nobody was you know you know there was drug dealers and stuff around us and on all that stuff, but we were the athletes and in there and we that was our release and we had one player, Demetrius Poles, ended up playing at um, St. Joe's and playing professionally, and we knew that he was the one that was going to make mm. it out. Yeah. So we would play basketball specifically for him mm. and push him, and he ended up going you know professional and everything. So there was love in the neighborhood for sure. Um, but every night, it, the weird thing is. During the day, because I didn't have a father figure, I actually looked up to my uncle. And I was the uncle that you lived with. Right. The one that was abusing me. So during the day he was okay with Did he give that's what I meant though. Were you receiving any love from it him? It was weird. He would take me fishing, he would take me hunting and show me certain things. Would he hug you and give you a no, lesson? There no, was no there was no, no hugging, teachable moments. No hugging and kissing in my family. And me and my wife talk about this all the time too, because it's yeah. like I have a hard time saying good morning because that's not what we did. We didn't sit down and have dinner and you know as a family that's not what we did yeah because we were rushing because we didn't know you know i would sleep with my sneakers on because i didn't know whether i had to run or not at night I, there was times when i was, you had to run yeah because he was coming home he would come home you know being abusive and things and no my only escape was at the time you know i was seven eight years old i couldn't fight a grown man so my only defense was to run so i would run to my aunt's house or my uncle's house and that would be my like safe haven and this went on a lot how do you? How are you so strong today, man? Well, the the story goes on. I finally go to college, go to Temple University, and I'm still dealing with all the trauma and de- trying to deal with it in my own way. Uh, me and my father kind of were talking here and there, and he had cleaned himself up since. And I said, you know what? Come to my college graduation. So I invite. I don't know what told me to do this. So I invite him to my college graduation, and I had I had a conversation with him in my mother's basement, and he apologized. He was like, you know, I'm sorry for not being a part of your life, and yada yada yada. And I thanked him, but the moment of clarity came at this point, and I said, I'm not thanking you for your apology. I'm actually thanking you for not being a part of my life. Whoa! Because did you say that? Or you I did. I said you it. Said to that. Him. Yes. And Whoa. I said because in your absence, I now know how to be a real father. And there's one thing I definitely 100% know that I will never ever leave my kids and make them feel that way. So it, the way that his absence, I began flipping everything in my life. So that I st- took my uncle. I took all the people that were doing stuff in my neighborhood. And I said, if I don't want to be like them, I just have to do the opposite of everything that they did. <sighs> they all dropped out of school. They all were selling drugs. They were all addicted to drugs and stuff. So the reason that I'm a doctor to this day is because all of those people did the exact opposite of what I'm currently doing today. So this is where the empowerment perspective comes from, taking every negative situation in my life and flipping it. For anyone who doesn't know uh, what he means by that, that's the title of the uh, podcast that you host. Yes, it's a podcast. It's also a motivational speaking and educational consultant company that I, I run as well. The Empowerment, say it again? The Empowerment Perspective Group is the name of the organization. Okay. Um, let's get back to that later because yeah. your story <laughs> is incredible. And you're saying it with like this huge smile. And, I, and I'm and i just like, I can barely breathe while listening to this. No, man. I feel like so energized. It gives me so much energy and so much. 
um, you know, I just love to tell the story because there's so many people that are going through yes. negative things in their life. And if they would just take the time and sit back and, and really analyze what's happening. And there's certain things in your life that you're not going to be able to control. I couldn't control what my uncle was doing. I couldn't control my situation. I didn't have a job to move out and be on my own. But I could change how I looked at it yes. and start to use it in a constructive yeah. way. I love that you're in teaching, man. Um, you and I, like I said, we're very different, yet we have the same goal. I didn't have that growing mm -hmm. up. I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed. I had wonderful. I still have wonderful parents. I have a sister I'm very close with, uh, and I pass that on down. I don't. Um, I pass that on to my family even tenfold. Mm -hmm. But because of my upbringing, I bring something certain to the table that I give to my preschoolers, to my campers, mm -hmm. and makes me happy knowing that my preschoolers get something from me and then move on to you later on. Mm -hmm. And then they get that from you. I think um, it's really good that um, they have these positive male role models in education. You don't find it everywhere. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is that uh, the position that you're playing, because even as I think back at it now, I probably have maybe one or two male teachers in my whole entire educational experience. Two. I had two. Right. Yeah. So there's not too many of us out there given that especially at the young level oh, absolutely yeah absolutely absolutely well so. i used to teach fourth fifth and sixth grade for the bulk of my career and when i took over the school i was thinking like you know they're really young like uh -huh. is there am i what am i going to do here but i found that this is that foundation, that foundation man yeah. that foundation for confidence and you know as well as i do that that's what starts it so that they can automatically not feel scared in the classroom and be ready to learn mm -hmm. addition, which goes into eventually orders of operation, mm -hmm. which eventually goes to this and that. Oh, right. But it's that foundation. Absolutely. Rather than the kids who don't build that foundation, uh, they come into school behind, maybe feeling nervous, not confident. And then that's when they start building the walls right. Right. without a right. foundation. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, my story, it, it actually even gets even more interesting. So, I go through that period. I graduate from Temple University, and I was studying um, communications, broadcast and telecommunications. And I did too. Media. Cool. So I go, and I knew some way, shape, form, or fashion that I was going to retire being in education. I always volunteer. My mother's an educator. Like, my whole family. You knew that did. since you were a kid. I knew. I don't say maybe high school. I kind of figured, figured like, I'm going to retire being in education. I don't okay. know what I'm going to do in between then and there. I, knew, I didn't want to start off doing it. Okay. So that's why I went the broadcasting route. So interesting story is I get an interview with ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut. So I go up there. I get the job at uh, Bristol, Connecticut, but at the same at ESPN, at the same time, I apply for University of Michigan for master's in secondary education. I get the job at ESPN. Two days later, Michigan offers me a full scholarship. Oh, so I'm sitting here now. Decisions, like, decisions, what do I need to sir. Do? So I'm like, oh. but it's ESPN. It's yeah. sports all day, you yeah. know. Of course, so I go talking about route. living the dream, right? Talking so, about living the dream. So I go that route, and I work for ESPN. And everybody thinks like, oh, you work for ESPN, how awesome it was. Yes, it was cool. Okay. I could, you know, go to any sporting event that I wanted to. They only paid me like $28,000 a year, which was nothing. But everything was, I didn't have to pay for anything. So all I had to just pay for my, like my housing and, and, and car and stuff. Okay. But I'm like, all right, I kind of made it work or whatever. Um, ESPN is owned by uh, Disney. So I get promoted as an operations manager at ABC in New York City. 
So now I moved from Bristol, Connecticut to New York City and working at ABC. So I go from uh, You're watching. going to Mickey Mouse? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going from watching sports all day to now watching soap operas all day. <laughs> so I'm like, this is crazy. Not living the dream. Not, not living it, but getting paid a whole lot more than I was at ESPN. All right. So I'm there, and I had this burning desire to get into education. Now the education bug's starting to kick in. Then the events of 9-11 happened. So at the time, I was living in West New York, New Jersey, which is right across the river. Um, so I, I could see the New York skyline. I saw the Twin Towers from my balcony. So I'm there, and I, my roommate's sister saying, we're getting attacked. We're getting attacked. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I go on, I turn on the news, and I see uh, both planes had hit the building at this particular point. So I go on my balcony. The first tower is already down. And I'm looking at the second balcony, and I'm seeing what looks like debris falling off the building. Later, I found out those were the people actually jumping off the building. So What's it like when you're actually I, – I don't even know if I want to get into that because I'm watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know how I felt, but to see from your balcony – it was surreal at that point. Right. Like, it didn't look real. And then it gets worse. So my my wife, my girlfriend, my wife at the time, was down here in South Jersey. They're trying to call me. My family's trying to call me. I was supposed to go to work that day. And there's three ways that I could get to the city that day, uh, usually to go to work. Um, either I could take the little jitney and go across the bridge, or I can use the tunnel, or I can use the path. If I would have used that train to go through the path, that train mm. was the one that was actually underneath the building. Uh, when it ended up collapsing so luckily i couldn't the the city was shut down so i couldn't go in so no one can get in contact with me i said i gotta get home to my family so i'm walking to hoboken i get down to hoboken people are coming across the uh from uh, new york you know using the ferry they're covered in soot and everything else oh my god then it looked like i was in a movie like i had felt like i had an out-of-body experience like it was just unreal we're all on this train. It's all packed up, and no one's getting through cell phone service. One guy gets through, and that's when I actually had a contact with my wife to come pick me up at Prince. I didn't know where I was going. I just needed to get out of the area to get home. So she finally comes and picks me up, and I go down, uh, go home. Uh, I, I couldn't get to the city, couldn't go to work and everything because everything was shut down. I mean, were, I mean, were people going to work? Uh- they, they, everyone was leaving the city. The city was shut yeah. down. So there was, there were people that were already there, and then there were people that were trying to get in the city, but it was shut down. Yeah. So it was like chaos, yeah, like madness. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of days later, I'm messed up to this point now. Like I'm afraid to go to the city. You go into the city. There's armed guards everywhere, and it's everywhere. So then this anthrax thing starts happening. Mm. So then it was reported that it was sent to one of our anchors whose office was like one floor below mine. So was that all over the news? This is all over the news. I remember that. I remember that. Yes. And you were, okay. I was there. So I'm so messed up to the point where my wife, um, at this time, like we got an apartment together and she had some baby powder had spilled on it on a sink. And I'm freaking out. Like, what is that? What is that? It's baby powder, but that's where my still mind was. it's powder though. Yeah. It's powder. So I was like, I have to get out of this city. Um and I believe in networking and people are in your life for a reason. And Mr. Kubakowski, who used to be the superintendent in Hamilton, was either principal or superintendent at my high school in Adelphia that I graduated from. And he was like, hey, we're opening up this new building, new high school. We're giving this new uh, curriculum called TV Media. Why don't you come and interview for it and see if you would like to teach it? So I was like, it's a perfect opportunity, perfect marriage. Something that I went to school with for. 
and my passion to help Did others. Did they have a curriculum set up for you? Nothing. So I had to write the whole entire curriculum myself. That's cool. <laughs> I, I think that's cool. Like, do it your way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I go in there, and I and I get the job, and, you know, I'm down in South Jersey now again. And I'm sitting there, and years go by, and I said, you know, how can I assess whether I'm going to be a great teacher or not? So me and uh, Gary Joseph, who's a teacher, still there now, and he, uh, me and he, him and his friends used to do this thing called the forty-eight hour film challenge. <gasps> I have something to show you, my friend, because I participated. Did you in the twenty-four hour f- uh, film challenge? Okay. I think you'll enjoy my work, my good man. You gotta definitely see that, brother. See that. <laughs> if anyone <laughs> wants to check it out, if you go on YouTube, twenty-four hour film race night moves awesome. you'll find me there's a little bit of language in there so don't show the kids <laughs> so i'm sitting there and i was like how awesome would it be if i just said all right i want to do this with my students to see if i'm a good teacher or not so for whatever length of time i'm not going to touch them let them do their thing so we developed this thing called the nine day film challenge first with the 10 day being the screening so <laughs> Gave them the same thing, the prop. So, okay, explain explain the rules because most people don't know yeah, about so, this. So, um, the kids would pick a genre out of a hat. So it could be comedy, it could be romance, it could be anything. And then we they would pick out. Um, I would come up with a character. So usually it would be one of my friends or whatever. I'd come up with their name, and their backstory, and a prop. So they would pick their randomly. They, these kids would pick these things out, and then they would have to script it storyboard the whole thing and shoot it and edit it and then you had to create the film poster in nine days mind you so i'm sitting there as a teacher not saying a word for them with them for nine days just to see what they can do so they put it up on the 10th day and we go to the performing arts center at the high school they they, we do a screening and the kids love we gave out awards and everything so then me and gary joseph was like you know Mm. what what if we asked other schools to participate in this thing so we reached out to a couple of friends. So now instead of doing it at the PAC Center, we went and went to a movie theater and said, let's get these kids to put their movies on, oh, on the screen. Oh, that's huge. So we do that. Long story short, it turns into the 10-day film challenge. We turn that into a nonprofit, which is now called Arts Equality. So now, not only, we started in New Jersey. So we had all these schools in New Jersey participating. Then it spread to Pennsylvania. So then we go to um, from New York uh, to New York. So Pennsylvania, New York, and then we have um, New Jersey. Eventually, it expands all the way to um, nine different countries that we're doing this uh, nonprofit to. Um, so these kids are going to the movie theater, um, watching their movies, and we are now having international an international film festival. So we have now sponsors are coming in. We're flying in um, students from different states and giving out awards. So um, at the end of the day, the, the arts equality, um, you know, the 10 day film challenge becomes arts equality, which is a nonprofit for high school students in film um, making. Um, it's gotten to the point where uh, teachers are actually redesigning how they teach the their particular curriculum um and then it's also getting to the point where uh, students are taking creative writing classes to write better for the film uh 10-day film challenge so that that's pretty much the the story of the the film festival and, and the challenge um not only now we're in three states now it has blossomed to i think we were in 25 states what and it got to the point where we were in nine different countries so we're getting sponsors. We're flying kids into this international film festival now. And then the the 
finals is at um, the Constitution Center in Philadelphia. So our screen final screening is there. So mind you, New York has their own screening. Pennsylvania, they're going to the movie theater. Kids are psyched up. It's 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 kind of crazy how that just blossomed from a conversation. Are you still so? <laughs> this is crazy. This is just another door that I'm opening. I'm like, oh, you do this too. Yeah. Oh, and that too. Yes, okay, sir. sir. <laughs> it's still going on. I'm technically on paper, still one of the directors and founders, but I went on this mission to get my dissertation and get my doctorate. So I pulled back to write my dissertation. So, so for the last two years or so, I kind of pulled back from it while the competition is still going mm. on um, because I needed to finish this this big paper and get this doctor so, so you had to like let let it go on its own let it go on its own yeah. for a while but it got to the point Look like what you said, you did, nine man. different countries from a conversation that i had with from a, a personal uh, opinion <laughs> yeah. that is such a fun so you guys like give them like an activity to do and mm-hmm. like mine was a push-up and um something with side effects hmm. so i take a medicine that has side effects of sleep workout uh-huh. you exercise sleeping i'll say no more you gotta i gotta it. watch it definitely yeah absolutely. for sure absolutely so you decided through this that uh you you think you cut out for the uh, education profession yeah so i'm deep in it at this point and it becomes to a point where um i found that students were coming to me for uh, like advice and it was like during lunch periods they would give up their lunch they would stay after school they're in my office like all day long so because what I, my philosophy was i'm teaching you life skills tv media is just a vehicle that i choose to to teach you you know life skills in mm. so i was real with them like you know i taught them how to write a resume and, and interview for jobs and oh you mean things that they might they actually, actually need yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. so i go through that whole entire process with them and i found out i was like I want to help more people other than just the hundred or so kids that I came in contact with every year. So then I was, and then I had my wife chirping in my ear, you need to make more money. Why are you, I'm coaching and doing stuff. You need to make more money. I was like, all right, I'll go back to school, get my master's in in educational leadership. And I say, maybe I can affect, you know, impact more kids if I become an administrator. Mm. So I go on this mission and then I finally, you know, get a job as an assistant principal at Egg Harbor Township Middle School. So now I had a high school experience, middle school experience, and I'm currently now in elementary school. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I see the whole, entire you know got quite thing. a resume sir <laughs> it's not over yet we're not done yet, <laughs> well, so. yeah we'll talk about the future yeah, eventually sure, but sure. let's talk about these things that you're doing because you talk about um sitting in lunch and talking with the kids well that's mm-hmm. what a parent told me these are the things that the kids are going to talk about in 20 years from now remembering mm-hmm. like i had this one teacher who sat down with me during lunchtime mm-hmm. and he said this thing and that's why i'm doing this right now absolutely um how long have you been doing this for Let's see. Um, with kids? With kids? What am I at? Um, let's see, 19 years probably. 19 years. Somewhere around there. Okay, so you're already getting yeah. feedback Absolutely. From, yeah. Absolutely. And it's, <laughs> I wrote a book about my life called Life Music. Of course you did. <laughs> of course you wrote a book. What's it called, man? It's called Life Music. You can get it on Amazon. Um, it's, it's basically the story that I, I told, and I kind of go at the end about what I learned from it. So I kind of give you some tools on how to overcome obstacles in your life and in the book. Um, I wrote it for therapeutic reasons because I wanted to forgive everybody that ever did anything wrong to me in my life. So I kind of just, and the moment that I finished it and released it, it it was a weight off my shoulder. 
And I went through some rough, rough patches because when you write books about your life, you're really telling other people's story as well. So I had to be careful how I portrayed my wife in it and my mo- mother in it and my brothers in it. Right. So Did I had they to- read it before you put it out there? <laughs> They didn't read it until it was published. My oh. wife was actually editing it, and then she stopped editing it in, in the middle of it because she couldn't take it at some That's point. That's the thing about reading things that are so close to home. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we worked through, you know, the, some of the things that were in that book, and, and, and I think we're in a better place because of that experience. Because I don't think we would ever talked about some of the stuff that happened in the past if it wasn't for that. Yeah. Um, so that, it was it was definitely interesting. So... I wrote that book, um, and I was contemplating on writing another book just to get back to the the kids called a, a Thousand Seeds because you don't know what you're planting in people. Like the conversation, even this conversation tonight, like you might take it and and this is a, a book for just kids. This is just a book for people. In I general. was gonna say because for people, I mean, especially teachers. Teachers right. need to know. Yeah, so because you never know. Like it's in in the education field, your success is intangible. Like, you know what I mean? You don't know. You're, you're hoping these kids become successful, but you may never, ever know if little Johnny was was successful. Right. But you spend every second right. making sure you're planting the or right seeds. Planting that seed in mm. there. So it's the the story, it, what I'm, my idea is kind of like getting some of my former students to kind of tell how I impacted them. Like, mm. how did that, you know, manifest itself? I mean, how did that seed that I planted grow in them? Um, and I have a bunch of students that are interested in, in writing their piece. So it kind of be a, like a collection of stories from their perspective, but also why I chose to say certain things at that time. I'm going to tell you why that book upsets me. Because I didn't think of it first. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is brilliant, man. Mind you, that's like book number three that's on the back. Oh, I all right. That <laughs> I got a book on fatherhood that I'm working on. And You then, are? Yeah. Yeah. I, what do you know about fatherhood? Well, I have two daughters. Okay. Um, Simone and Jaden. They're ten and eight. I've got a Jaden too. Mine's a boy, <laughs> also, but I got Jaden too. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's just, and not having a father in my life, like there was no book out there that I could read to be like, give me some tips on how to do this thing as a, as a parent. There's definitely father books out there, but it wasn't something that I felt connected to okay you know i'm saying if that, if that makes i'm sure there's sense. some garbage out there for sure yeah yeah and the book that i'm writing isn't necessarily me telling you what to do it's more of a self-assessment of you as you know if you're going to be a new father or the father at this point like how am i doing like you're doing mm. it's, it's more of a workbook like doing a self-assessment and um how to you know use your self-assessment and getting your wife's your perspective, your kid's perspective on how you are as a father. Yeah, just right before you, I I was interviewing Jonathan Oliva. He's about to be a a dad first time, Mm -hmm. and he was asking me on the mic, he was like, I keep getting this advice from all these parents. How do I take this advice? And I was just like, look, you do you. You're going to be the great dad because (laughs) you're caring, loving father, and you're going to learn your own mistakes. You're going to learn what you do right, and you're just keep going. Absolutely. Yeah, so I love that. It's a self-assessment book. Absolutely. Self-assessment, and there's something that I truly believe in and something that I do all the time. And even as a a principal, I I will ask my employees and, and teachers, like, how am I doing as a as you know your 
quote unquote boss. Give me your honest feedback. Do you feel like you get some brutal honesty? I want the point? honesty. Like yeah. I haven't done it with this particular um, the where I'm at right now in Hamilton, but I did it in my old school. And a lot of them, the most of them was like, yo, you try to take on too much. You're trying to do too many things. Mm. And I know this about myself. I say, yeah, yeah. Sounds like it. You're right. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> You're right. Sound, I mean, most people, when they take on a book, that's what they're taking on. Right. <laughs> they're right. not taking right. on right. the film. Uh, Ty Tuesday. Let's talk about Ty Tuesday. Ty Tuesday. I love Tuesday that you're doing that. Awesome See, that's thing. the kind of thing like me and you like we're I'm, i want to plant a seed in this podcast for me and you mm-hmm. do something in the future together oh, i don't know what it is but absolutely it's gonna let's be do for it. kids and they're gonna love it absolutely let's do it um tie tuesday something i wouldn't have thought of uh, i actually stole the idea okay <laughs> so um my, my school district i had an opportunity to hire a guidance counselor um his name is kareem spence he's actually my business partner at the power perspective uh group so I'm always thinking two steps ahead, like when, especially I have an opportunity to hire somebody. So I knew he was a great guidance counselor, but I knew he had something else on, in addition to just helping that. You bring like, a little bit more to the table. Yeah, beyond yeah. the walls of the school. So yeah. me and him go across the country. We speak. We do all kinds of things um, together. Um, so I hired him, and he had, and you know, we go to these interviews. They come there with their portfolio, and he, he talked about donuts for dad, and he talked about Thai Tuesdays. And I was like, that's a great idea. If I don't hire him, I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going to steal this idea. Um, so we did it with the middle school kids. Um, it was somewhat successful, and I was like, you know what? I'm a, when I go to Hamilton, I'm going to just bring this concept of every Tuesday, the boys are going to wear a shirt and tie, and the girl's going to get dressed in, in professional gear, like with a dress or something, just so it's a character-building thing, mm-hmm. so that you feel you feel different when you have a tie on. Even a kid, you feel different when he has a tie on, especially yeah. if he's taking a test. You mm. go at it differently than your everyday, you know, attire. Oh, that's interesting. So every Tuesday, they get to the, get to dress up. You know, take a picture with me or Dr. Ehrman. We'll go around and take the picture. And Do you accept clip-ons or they have to tie it? They didn't. Well, that's the other piece of it, too. So now I'm teaching these young men how to tie their ties. Okay. So I have a bunch of ties in my office if they don't have a bunch of shirts. Um, clip-ons, you can take it. Little zipper ones, too. You, you, I don't care. Oh, there's zipper ones? There's a zipper one that you can zip up. And All I, right. I was like, what is this? That's crazy. So we take the picture. They put their picture out, post it up in the hallway so they'll see, you know, themselves in the tie and see what, you know, and it's to the point where it's like some kids get upset. Oh, I forgot it was Tuesday. Oh, so for me, I switch it up because I wear ties all day. I wear bow ties on that day, just to have a little different. Thing. Okay, um, so we post <laughs> it up, and um, you know the kids. And there's a couple of kids they won't miss it at all. Like yeah. Tuesday, like you know, if we don't have school Tuesday, they're upset. <laughs> I ain't got a chance to wear my tie. That's um, awesome. Was it all grades? Second all, all the way grades, up? All grades. So I go Very around. Cool. And do that. And you also do a Thoughtful Thursday, right? Thoughtful Thursday. Uh, so Thursday Thoughts of the Week. I apologize to my teachers because I didn't do it um, <laughs> this today because um, I just couldn't think of something. So that came from, with the Empowerment Perspective Group, I would post these things called um, Today's Lesson. And it could come from a conversation. Like, I may write something tonight based off of what we talk about. I hope you do, man. <laughs> Send it to me. Absolutely. So I was like, you know what? Every Thursday, I'm going to put a thought up. And I will walk around the school and try to find inspiration from somewhere. Can it, you give me an example? of? Uh... So I walked around the other day, and it was about... Um, uh, this is what happened. So I saw, no, I'll, I'll give you two examples. Right. <laughs> this, the first one was kind of crazy and out there. So I walk around and for some reason, the word Venus pops in my head, like the planet. Right. right? So I'm walking around. <laughs> 
Days before, I took my daughters to the planetarium in Glassboro, talked about the stars and the different things about the planet. So we're in there. And I remember them talking about Venus being the the sister planet to Earth. Like it's you used to have somewhat the same uh, characteristics. Yeah, I think out of all the planets, it's right. most similar. But it's different than others. It rotates differently. And there's a whole bunch of different things that goes on with this planet. Then I started thinking about my students. I said, on the outside, a lot of these kids seem to be the same. But then there's differences with these kids. But Venus is also known as a beauty planet. There's mm. beauty in being different. So my Thursday, Thursday thought of the day became um, basically uh, treat your students, you know, that difficult student of yours that might be acting different than everybody else. There's beauty in there. Mm. There's 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 you know, potential in there. I but find you, you have to see it. Those are the ones talk about kids who come back and say thank you and tell you how they're Absolutely. doing. Those are the ones. Absolutely. <laughs> So that was that one, and then there was another one I'm walking around. Is that how you get them, man? Yeah. I'm walking around thinking about Venus and then thinking about beauty. (laughs) The funny thing is I was in the the office today. We were talking about um, just how kids need to exercise and walk around. I said, that's how my Thursday thoughts of the week come around. I walk around the school. And I and I just walk and I just start thinking about stuff. There's and definitely something about walking. Yeah, absolutely. When you start thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. So then the other day, and I saw I saw a clock, and I was like, all right, I see a clock, <laughs> and I said, I'm watching this documentary on on Bill Gates, um, and I'm like, all right, well, Bill Gates, and then they talked about Warren Buffett, and then I see a clip on Malcolm X, and I was like, all these great influential people and Dr. Martin Luther King, and I was just like, you know what? We all have the same 24 hours. Mm. What separates me from them? Mm. Right? So I said, the only difference between those guys and us really is their work ethic. Right? We all have the same 24 hours. We all relatively, that means Bill Gates is really intelligent. Bill Gates has some skills. Some skills. For sure. But in this documentary, he talks about how he developed Microsoft and he talked about how those guys would be in this apartment. It was like three guys in an apartment together. And um, they would rotate. Building code, building code, building code. One would sleep and they would switch. And they, this went on. He talked about even his eating habits. He would take Tang and lick his fingers and just... That's how that's he, insane. That's how he would... That, but that was his work ethic. Yeah. Right? And I was like, huh. well, <laughs> really, if I could develop a work ethic to that level... I'm not going to say I'm going to build Microsoft, but I can't help but become somewhat successful. Well, they're also ambitious, man. Uh, You also need ambition. Uh, uh, Yeah, you do. You're clearly ambitious. People who aren't ambitious don't want to do a book while they're also (laughs) teaching. People who aren't ambitious want to go to their job and then go home and relax. People who are ambitious put in the work. Um, Some people have a lot of ideas and just can't get that butt off the couch, you know? Well... This also goes back, I did a study on myself, and I said, how much time am I really wasting in a day? Mm-hmm. Going to the water cooler, playing PlayStation, doing nonsense stuff. Mm-hmm. It came to almost five, six hours. I said, if I can cut that in half. How do you get so much PlayStation with two daughters? Well, listen. Tell me your secrets. <laughs> I, I shut the door and locked the door. Um, <laughs> I'm coming over, dude. I'm yeah, coming absolutely. over. <laughs> give you my code online we play together. Uh, all right <laughs> <laughs> but I, I started thinking about this concept of time and i was like if i can cut that down even if i did what i call um passively working 
So I'm unfortunately, I, I, I'm going to say this, you know, I'm sorry, Hamilton, but I'm a Cowboys fan, a huge Cowboys fan. That was supposed to come later in the interview because I got a friend named Natalie yeah. who's also, a, Natalie, shout yeah. out to you. Also, it must be hard. must be hard for you in this town. I, I love it. I, I love it. I love it. So I would sit, literally sit and watch the game while I'm reading an article or while I'm doing something else. And then I found out that I take my daughter to the soccer practice. It's two hours. I'm not going to sit there and have a conversation with these parents about nonsense stuff. That's how I wrote half my dissertation, sitting at soccer just practice. sitting at practice. So all this time, I was like. A lot of people sit there and just look at the phone, right? And waste that time. And that I'm is like, time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I use that time too. Even mm-hmm. if it's just like catch up on reading absolutely, or something like that. Absolutely. You know? Those those in-between times that you can either stare at your phone like a zombie <laughs> or you can do something. Get something done. Yeah. I'm obsessed to the point, like if you come to the office in the morning, I'll sit at my secondary desk and, and it looks like I'm looking at my phone when I'm reading an article. Like I'm, because yes. it's passive, like time for me to get actually stuff done, but at the same time be present. And- yeah. I, I don't know if, if you're like this, you sound like you're like this, but a lot of things I do, whether it be the podcast or reading an article, a lot of it is a lot of times indirectly mm-hmm. part of my teaching repertoire. It's all coming in as part of what I do and, and what I do with kids, you Absolutely. know, every yeah. part of life. It, it's a part of it. Right. right. So you have a gift. You have a gift that of, of really, I'm going to call it service. I believe every ed- educator has a gift of service. Gift of service. What do you mean yeah. by that? So you, like you, you don't want, you didn't have to be a teacher. You could have been anything you wanted in the world, right? There's a lot of things, yeah. Right, but There's you feel comfortable doing what you do, right? This is my, this is my best life. Right. So passion. you, you have that, that gift of, of, of service, and I, I, I explain it to people this way: like your gift is something that you can do without thinking about it. Right, the fact that you're doing a podcast, we've never met, and we've never. No, really this is talked, it. Right? We're meeting right now. How crazy is that? <laughs> right. With some microphones. But even still, like, it, I feel like the conversation is easy for you, right? Yes. And so, and, and to me, that's your gift, and you stumbled upon it, and you found it. Yeah. And I, I just feel like that people, and people ask me all the time, "How do you find your gift?" It's that thing that is so easy to you that you don't have to think about it. And I feel like education is kind of that thing for me. Mm. But the difference is I put it in different vehicles. So the the film challenge, the the podcast, the motivational speaking, the book, it's all educational service related. It's yes. just the different vehicles that yes. I choose to put it in. It just doesn't happen to be always math, language, or <laughs> study, science. It's also right. the real world and yeah, everything absolutely. it encompasses. Um, so I want to talk about your podcast, especially a couple of them that I listened to, mm-hmm. especially Mind Over Cancer, mm. because I was affected by mm-hmm. that, as anyone else will be if you go and listen to that one. Mm-hmm. A million other things. Uh, Going to take a quick commercial break? Yes, sir. All right, brother. I've been working so hard lately. I just, I just, I need to get away to a magical land, but I don't know how to do it. What about a beautiful beach, a water slide, lots of food? Don't tempt me, Heather D'Amico. Don't say things that you can't help me with. Everything included, beautiful room, and I can send you there. Please go on. You're going to Turks and Caicos, to the number one family resort in the Caribbean, Beaches Turks and Caicos. And I know you love kids and all things, you know, kitty and Sesame Street is there (laughs) as well. You gonna send me to Sesame Street? Yes. Whoa! I didn't know it was there. In paradise. In Sesame Street's in paradise. Yes. Okay. Let me move on, Heather D'Amico, because after that, you see, 
when it comes time around the anniversary, maybe Miss Lisa and I might want to travel to a destination for two people who love each other oh so much. Relaxing. Beautiful. Go. My favorite. I've been to the Maldives, Hawaii, all over the Caribbean. Just got back from Antigua. My favorite country is Mexico. Uh, The Riviera Maya has so many amazing adult-only luxury five-star properties, um, everything included. So, Heather, listen up. I need a vacation that is amazing. Why should I go through you? Well, at D'Amico Travel, we're all about customer service. Um, We've grown by referrals because of the way we treat our clients. We travel often. And that helps us give you firsthand experience to, you know, really take what you're looking for and make it a reality. That's awesome. Going on vacation can be really stressful and you want it to be super relaxing. We do it. We're there for you start to finish. How do we get in touch with you? Um, You can get in touch with us through email, vacations with an S at D'AmicoTravel.com. D-A-M-I-C-O Travel.com. Lisa, we're going on vacation, babe. (laughs) Woohoo! <laughs> We're back. Um, let's talk podcasting. Yes, I'm sir. actually pretty new to podcasting. Yeah, uh, I did it with the kids this summer. Okay, the Camp Tuscaloosa podcast, and I know you work with the kids too. Yes. What yes, was sir. your experience like? Um. So my whole thing in life in general is I don't like feeling comfortable. So I, I will make myself uncomfortable on purpose. Can I just bring this fist over to your <laughs> fist and bump it? Absolutely. Man, I'm telling you, from two dudes who ended up with completely different backgrounds, we have the exact same, lack of a better word, perspective uh-huh. on so many things. That's awesome. I try to do the same thing with my kids, yeah. my students, all of them. Uh-huh. Put, make them uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and then they come away. You know how they Absolutely. come away feeling when they've accomplished it. Right. Yeah, well, that's where growth lies is when you're uncomfortable, right, and in dealing with things. That's where you become, you know, you, you grow that way. So I, I, I intentionally put myself in situations that are uncomfortable. So the podcast came about because, well, I'm, I wrote the book. The business came about because I wrote the book and I started, people started requesting me to tell my story. So I go to schools and, and present this story and do my presentation. So I said, I need to create something to protect myself from a business standpoint. So I create the Empowerment Perspective Group. Um, God forbid somebody, kid comes up and rolls his ankle during my presentation and they somebody wants to sue. So now they're suing a the company and not suing me personally. That's insane. So, <laughs> okay. So I create this. <laughs> I create that. So. Then I was like thinking, I was like, all right, well, I need to find another way to one market myself and to tell more stories and other people's stories. So I say, I have a media background. Why not just buy some equipment and find some people that want to talk and to see what happens? So then that just kind of started spiraling out of control at some point and you know we have you know a lot of followers people downloading our things and um people uh the company's slogan is stay empowered so now i'm walking to wawa and i see people saying hey stay empowered like people don't know that they're you know making those things and it was just kind of like a thing to get my voice out there but also tell other people's story because i felt like everyone has a story and everyone has something important to to say so i'm trying to get my audience um, some useful information so me and my business partner kareem the guidance counselor we started you know we were doing these podcasts and i said well if i can do that i'm 
want to expose my students to something, <laughs> something different that they've never seen before. Mm. Um, so, well, all right, let's do a podcast. So, I for the fifth graders, I said, all right, you know what? See who who's interested. So I have all these kids now that want to do it. So, and the bad part about it is, I'll find one or two that are really, really good at it. But I, <laughs> I need to give everybody an opportunity to get their voice heard. Yeah. So then I started thinking even more. I said, well, these kids don't know who all the people that work for them. Like they don't really know what the superintendent does. They really don't know what the athletic director does at this age. You know, the elementary school age. So right. I said, those are going to be the guests on our podcast. Oh, that's interesting. Right. So I started inviting, you know, the principal and then the superintendent and all the supervisors and the nurse and everybody that works for them. So mm. they kind of get an understanding of. Oh, well, I know I've seen you around, but I don't know what you do. And that was kind of, you know, they developed the questions and I kind of just narrate it and lead them um, and let them ask the questions and follow questions and things of that nature. Yeah. So, then mom and dad can listen to it later. Mom and dad can and listen and to it later. And I said, all right, well, we'll do it during lunchtime every Friday. And I would rotate through kids. And I actually had the kids were on the board doing the, the actual. I taught them how to uh, do the soundboard. Um, now the kids on the computer and, you know, editing the uh, actual what we're recording. So I'm That's all some, great. Some the skills questions. are all getting. But the one skill more than anything is that public speaking oh, thing um i used to be afraid of public speaking oh, really? big time big big time i remember on oh, public speaking class in college being afraid like two weeks before it was time to present uh-huh. i was terrified uh-huh. and then through just doing that and then i did some pro wrestling and teaching uh-huh. and you. now i'm you know here doing microphones it's, it's one of my favorite things in the world and um i love teaching that to the kids yeah, yeah. i think that there's nothing no not teaching them because i don't think you can teach public speaking mm. i think they just gotta got it do yeah. it you gotta yeah. do it absolutely and these kids have stuff to say man if you that's yes. one of the things i guess in education that i wish we would do more of is listen to what the kids have to say like if you want to make changes to a school why not bring the kids in and ask them what do they need and what do they want um and give them a voice and and you know, so how, their education. so how would you propose to do that? I mean, in my other school, I'd actually literally me and the guys counselor Kareem spends. We would get kids randomly. We would sit down and we said, what do you want from us? What clubs do you want to see? Um, what kind of classes do you want to take? Like, what are you interested in? Nobody, an adult, a lot of these kids, the adults never asked them that question. Yeah. And they came up with some wonderful ideas. And that's what a lot of other initiatives that I did, you know, would do would come out of these kids ideas uh, a lot of kids were in fashion all right let's start a fashion club and see what we right. can do you know what i mean the worst right. thing they can say is no let's figure it out you yes. know what i'm saying so um i just think in education listening to kids they have some really interesting things to say i think that some educators have the wrong idea of what education is especially the people at the top who actually haven't ever taught a class and are in charge of the curriculums Mm -hmm. i think that uh people like you are open to realize that hey we can teach fashion we can teach i don't know legos or Mm -hmm. or whatever it is the kids want to do and we can really teach life skills Mm -hmm. through this medium or whatever it is that we're teaching right i think the biggest thing is there's a difference between content and skill development Mm. and i think in education for a long time we were so caught up in content yes right the content is irrelevant to me memorize right. memorize <laughs> right and, uh, get this formula right so what is what's the skill that i want to teach you 
And then it becomes a conversation of, well, what are you interested in? Mm. So how can I teach that skill based upon what you're interested in? Because that's the best way to learn. Absolutely. Even with like summer reading, like I'm so obsessed with it. Like, why aren't we asking the kids, like, what do you want to read? There's tell so me, many good books out tell there. Tell me what you're interested in. And I'll find a book that's going to match your interest. I don't want you or my wife or anyone in the world to tell me what book I have to read this summer. <laughs> Why would a kid want that too? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, the kid's voice is so uh, interesting. And this is part of the reason in the podcast. Recently, I started adding my 10-year-old daughter on the podcast. She oh, you did? Co- She's a regular. She's oh. a regular. And to some of the stuff that she said blew my mind. Like The last one I did was about your self-talk. I had somebody on talking about like you know self-talk and like, what's the voice in your head say? And I never asked my daughter, like, what's the voice? What's your voice saying? And then she's saying, she's telling me, like, my voice is positive. Like, you know, every situation. like That's a beautiful thing. It. That's okay. a beautiful thing. I never, ever really thought to ask you what the voice is. That's a great question. You know? And for her to be able to say that. And articulate it. And yeah. I think more kids could do that if you give them the, the vehicle to do it. Right. They yeah. have to do it. What about you? Right. What about you, Dr. Absolutely. D? Do you, what's the voice in your head? Are you, uh, you got positive? My voice is crazy. Like, it's, just, it's, it's all over the place. It's, it's really all over the place. I really have, I think I have like ADHD, ADD, whatever you it want It sounds like it. you're a bit obsessive in a good way. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't think you don't understand the level. Like, when I read books, like, I'm currently reading like four different books at the same time. What are you reading? I'm reading a, a book on investments because my daughter's... <laughs> I developed, that sounds so fun. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I couldn't but do it. The reason I'm doing it is because instead of giving my daughter's birthday gifts and everything, I, I put money in her portfolio. Like they have way more money than I do right now. Uh-huh. So my idea is to teach them stocks when they become like 18 or whatever so yeah. they can control their own portfolio and all that stuff. You don't want to like just Google and get the cliff notes. No, man. I want to read it. I want to, I want to do you. it. So because I want to be able to teach them how to, to do it correctly. Respect. Right. Respect. So, I have, I'm reading that and I'm reading, I'm going back and reading The Souls of Black Folks, which is a historical uh, book about um, from when uh, uh, African-Americans were um, recently emancipated and what life was like for them um, after that. I read it already. I'm is it like it. a historical fiction or it's just a... No, a, it's, it's it's more of a, a collection of essays, um, oh, okay. but it's telling about that time. Okay. Um, so I'm reading that. Um, I'm reading, of course, educational you know articles all day long. For and, sure. And, and basically a lot of it's about trauma and social emotional learning stuff. Mm. And then I'll have my fluff book of, you know, just read some... <laughs> a bathroom reader. Yeah, right. <laughs> But I read Fifty Shades. I read every single day from each of those books. Yeah, so really. In the morning, I have my tea or my coffee. I'll, dr- I'll read the investment book for uh-huh. like fifteen minutes. I'll switch over to Souls of Black Folks, and then when I get to work, I'll read my articles. And then like every day, that's just wow. You find the time. <laughs> that's you it. find the time. Good it's for you, man. Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes each. Or f- fifteen minutes each. All right, so you got an hour reading a day. All a right. day. Yeah, and, and it's the same thing that I'm telling my kids. My kids have to read fifteen minutes every single day. Yeah. While they're reading, they see mommy and daddy reading, and this is, you know, you model the behavior for them. Yeah, I hated reading growing up. It's so sad to say. <laughs> you know what got me into reading? What? Being in the subway in New York City. It's either look at the person's armpit standing next to you or have <laughs> or your yeah, face in a book. Out. Absolutely. And I started reading, you know, fiction, self-help books, uh-huh. education books, and I was just like, oh, my God. My mind opened up, yeah. and, like, the rest is history, yeah. you know? So, yeah. What's your favorite book of all time? 
Man, that's a tough one. Yeah, but if if you're you know you're going to your best boy or to, to your one of your daughters when they're an adult, you're like you got to read this one. I'm gonna go. Um, there's a book called The Coldest Winter Ever by Sister Soldier, and that's um, one of my. I'm gonna call it a fluff book, but it's not really a fluff a fluff book. It's you know it's it's really a book about inner city life and growing up in in that environment. Mm. But it's it's a fiction book. Um, so that's probably it. And then I'm really on uh, Malcolm Gladwell kick right now. Tipping point. Oh, Outliers, I read the I read stuff. the Tipping Point. Yeah. Uh, I read Blink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I might have read Outliers. Mm-hmm. Can't remember. Outliers is a good book for educators. Maybe I didn't read that. Those are about the people who just I can't remember. It's more like I want to say not necessarily the people that defied the odds, but. It's really the Venus that I talk about, like the that oddball that are kind of. Who's his it. example? Like who is who's he use? Is is it like famous people we know or? Um, not not necessarily. He more gives circumstance. I mean, he would. I don't think he said Bill Gates, but people like he did mention Warren Buffett in that book. Like those are like outliers, yeah. people that are not normal, but you can still learn something from them. But yeah. they they're like the ones that and they. It was a lot of business stuff, too, and how certain companies are doing certain things. Um, but yeah. then he also, I think, came out with a um, a social a social sector part of it. It's a real short read, but it okay. talks about education and nonprofits. I like the way he yeah. writes, man. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. It's good. And so I've been on that kick lately, um, but I'm a big Toni Morrison fan. Huge Toni Morrison. Was he reading? Toni Morrison is a, is a fiction uh, writer, and she uh, blew his eye, beloved um, Tar Baby. There's a whole bunch. I just like the way she writes. It's very okay. poetic the way that she writes in in those books. You've always been a reader. No, no. You started late like me. Uh, yeah, I don't even know why I started reading. Um, that's a great question. I felt bad when I first started teaching my first four years because I was like, God, I'm a teacher and uh-huh. I'm gonna read books. I think my love for reading actually came from my wife actually because she's an avid reader. Oh, she is. Yeah, is she a high school sweetheart? You've been with her forever since huh? middle school. I mean, we had middle school yeah. sweetheart. Yeah, wow. We met in math class. So okay, <laughs> we're we're um we're we're talking about your wife and I. I feel like this is a good point to bring up the podcast that I listen to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you had a very po- uh, powerful episode. Uh, it was called I mentioned it earlier, Mind Over Cancer. Mm-hmm. Um. You talked about your nephew. Mm-hmm. Uh, how is he doing, by the way? Um, he's still in remission, um, dealing with a lot of the after effects of chemo. Um, I think a lot of people, when they, they talk about cancer, no one really talks a lot about the after effects of how chemo affects your body, how it affects your, your mental health. Um, so he's dealing with a lot of of those things right now. Um, so for the people that are listening, my, my nephew, Marcus Josie, he has a phenomenal story. Um the short version of it is he he was diagnosed with leukemia. The weird thing about his story is that they had an assembly on leukemia and he had all these symptoms before. And he was like, he went home was like, mom, dad, I think I got leukemia. And he was like, yeah, yeah right. You don't, you don't have it. So they go to the doctor and then. Right. He, I heard it on your podcast. Yeah. So he was, they were listing off the symptoms and right. he's like, wait a minute. I've been I feeling those. It. Yep. He diagnosed himself. himself after being misdiagnosed by doctors all along. Right. right. That's insane. So then he has it. And mind you, he's a senior. Uh, he's in high school. He's a star quarterback, breaking records, getting, you know, scholarships and everything. And his life gets turned upside down. Um, so he goes through his battle with cancer, um, gets in remission, um, 
but then the chemo starts destroying his bones and starts destroying everything. So he had needs a hip replacement, ankle replacement. Mm. So um, it's kind of like, you know, one minute, like I beat it. You know what I mean? But I got to deal with all this other stuff after it. And he was talking about how before he had this whole team of his friends mm. and high schoolers and <laughs> people who had his back. But then, you know, that dies down eventually. Yeah, absolutely. It was people actually questioning whether he actually had it. Because he was getting so much attention, because he was the star athlete and everything, so the media was all over it. Yeah. So in the um, end, like, do you even really need that? Yeah. Like, just the ones that love you yeah. and really care. That's. And for the Hamilton people, Lindsey Giannini, who is, uh, you know, Miss New Jersey, actually went to his um, homecoming together, and you know, they went. Together. Oh, I should they get kinda... her on the show, yeah, Miss absolutely. New Jersey. <laughs> absolutely. One another former student of mine. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. Let her. Let her know. Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, no, talk about that. Yeah. So. Um, his story was really, it was interesting, and it was, I felt helpless. I'm not a doctor. I couldn't mm. really help him or whatever, but he was going through it, and my brother and his wife was dealing with it them, themselves. And then uh. I get smacked in the face a couple more times. My my wife's sister had you know breast cancer. Mother had breast cancer. Um, it, breast cancer ran rampant in her family, and then... She found out that she had carried a gene for it. It was like a 92% chance that she was going to get it at some point in her life. Right. So she went and had the preventative um, uh, surgery, double mastectomy and everything with it. I was moved by the way she spoke on your podcast. Mm. Oh, my <laughs> God, man. And this is if you're listening to this. Uh, I'm sorry. What, what's your wife's name? Uh, Rebecca. Rebecca. Yeah. You are a strong, mm. strong woman. <laughs> so much so that, like, when I was listening to you, I, like, straightened up. <laughs> I was like, I got no worries in my life. Everything is good. Everything feels good. Like, where she was just like, I don't get it, people who complain. So she did the natural birth and yeah. uh, just, uh, she's yeah. like, mind over matter kind of person, yeah. huh? Yeah, I got to come correct every time I walk in the house. Like, I can't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for sure. Um, she she has an interesting story herself too, and our worlds. And hopefully one day she'll write her book. It it parallels each, it, it, each other, and we had the same friends and everything, but we never met each other into that moment in middle school. Like it was kind of destined for us to kind of be together. But her mentality is like she I don't understand weak people. Like when she she, makes, she made that very clear. Yeah, she's like once I make my mind up, I'm going to do whatever my mind tells me I'm going to do. And and she's not lying. She's crazy. Yeah. Do you are you allowed to complain about anything around her? <laughs> oh, she knows. She well, she basically like if you stub your toe, like yeah, she would like suck it up. <laughs> stop crying. It's like stop crying. Good for her, man. Yeah, I love strong-minded amazing. people. She's amazing. I mean, she you know she has definitely has her moments, but um, she's definitely a motivating factor for me. Like I don't have any looking at her story, looking at Marcus's story. I don't have any right. excuse. Like, right. what's my excuse? Like, why can't I go out here and do all this stuff? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's motivating. Yeah, absolutely. And she won't let me quit for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, oh, but you mentioned also on that episode, uh, or maybe it was another one, someone you had on there, you said you, you had she was ducking you like the IRS. <laughs> I have a question for you, man, because I just started doing this show. And most people, some people come to me and say they want to be on the show. Uh -huh. Some people I reach out to and uh -huh. they either say like that they're honored or that they just don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. But you know who 
ducks me like the IRS. Who's it? Just the teachers. Yeah? Just they the don't. teachers. <laughs> they don't even... I think I've messaged them about anything else. Mm. They'd be like, oh, Sam, blah, blah, blah. But I send the messages like, I, I want you on the show. They just ghost me. <laughs> I, I'm going to say, I'm going to defend my teachers on this. Okay, one. let's hear it, I man. I feel like, like teaching is a selfless act, right? It's not right. about you. Right. So for you to ask a teacher to come on a podcast, it then becomes about them. And they kind of they, they may not know how to navigate being vulnerable and open up about because their whole life is about helping others. I think that you might be right. I think that you may be right. But I also feel like that they should get their story out. And uh, 100. Uh, yeah, 100 percent. Right. And, and tell the people what's going on in the classroom and yeah. about their passion. What I want to do is I want a podcast called The Teacher's Lounge. <laughs> Oh, where the teachers tell their stories. Where See the teachers I mean? tell their stories. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So anybody out there in podcast land, you can take it if you want. But there should be a podcast called the Teachers Lounge. The They're Teachers really, Lounge. Because the Teachers Lounge is interesting. When you go into the Teachers Lounge, you know you hear some <laughs> interesting stories. <laughs> and, but the podcast is more about their. No, their no, story. I get it. You know I get it. I get it. Yeah. No, I think you're on to something. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that up to you. But if you need any help, I've got your back 100. But the problem is, how many teachers are gonna really tell that? It has to be like I think if it's me, I think if it's you and me, uh I'm just okay. Maybe maybe a seed is being planted (laughs) here, bro. But maybe they're gonna see me. They're gonna say me, and they're gonna be like, I want to hang out in that lounge. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure, man. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was a good episode. Shout yeah. out to all the people on that episode. I really enjoyed that yeah, one. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, you've been assisting the principal. I, I, assisting the principal? You are... Assisting. A, a, assistant principal, I guess. You okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know because I never worked in the public school system. Uh-huh. I don't really understand uh, how it all works. But I do know that you've had a lot of successes uh, from what I've heard from other people. But what would you say are your top successes since you've taken on this role. I can't, to be yeah. honest with you, I can't even answer that question because I don't know. Like, people say to me that you're doing a great job, but I'm so, you know, obsessed with being better all the time. Like, I don't see myself. Like, I, I, I always look at areas that I can improve on. Like, I don't even look There's at... There's no end. Right. There's I, no I end goal. <laughs> Not at all. And yeah. I Unless somebody tells me that I'm doing a good job, I'm like, I'm, uh, you know, I'm... Okay, I guess. I guess uh, it's when you retire and then you get <laughs> you just get a sea of people. A yeah. sea of people saying thank you. My success is the fact that they haven't fired me yet. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed for that one, man. So um, I'm going to move on a little bit to mm-hmm. sports uh, just for fun because I was scrolling through your uh, – I, I think that you you love your students. Mm-hmm. I know you love your family. I feel like you love your town. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you hate referees. <laughs> I feel like you have a serious issue with the the people wearing black and white in this in this world. I, I think the problem I have is I I'm so obsessed with let, let the kids or whoever's playing a game enjoy the game. Like your job as an official is to be invisible. You should have no bearing on the outcome of any game. Let them enjoy the game. And I feel like especially in NFL and they're kind of in a bad position. I feel like they are involved way too much at the wrong time. To the, So much to the point where, as an official, they feel like they have to throw the flag. or, or, or the, well, Otherwise, they're going to get scrutinized if they didn't throw that flag. 
So they made their brain be like questioning, was that really a hold or was that really something? But I need to throw this because I'm going to get chewed out or now I have this replay that they're going to say I did something wrong if I didn't throw this flag. All the way down to my daughter plays soccer, uh, travel soccer, and I watched this official the other day and it drove me crazy. The game was kids fought back. It's tied two to two. It's a phenomenal game. Parents are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Before the game, I saw the official talking to the kids. I'm like, he's talking way too much. Like, why are you talking to the kids so much? Like, the game was late. So it comes to a point in this league, um, the keeper saved the ball, and the girls are supposed to get behind a dotted line before the ball comes out the box. He's explaining this rule to the girls. The other team plays the ball out and goes down and scores because he <laughs> wants to sit here and have this conversation. What? Then... Blow the whistle, didn't stop it, whatever. What? Yeah, it ruined the game. Like you that's not your job oh. is to officiate the game, not to coach the kids. Oh. I just feel like a, you know, and I, I coached a lot of sports. Like stay out the game. Yeah. It's not about you. Why does he why do you think you think they just want attention? Just feel like they're important in this. I think maybe he wanted to get his inner coach back yeah. in nineteen seventy five yeah. when he was coaching. <laughs> the heyday, <laughs> his glory days back. Yeah. We won five championships. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's it irks me. I to see know it. That. I see it on Facebook. I see it on your face, man. Yeah. And yeah. I had another official. You know, yeah, go ahead. I was watching uh coaching a game in Hamilton and we had a transfer student from Winslow and the official was from Winslow. We're playing a prep. It was a great basketball team. We had a good team with uh, Christian Mortar leading everybody out there. And uh, and the official uh, turns to one of our players and was like, called him a, a, a sellout for transferring. I'm sorry, what? A sellout for transferring. The official was from Winslow. Kid transferred from Winslow to Hamilton. Called him a sellout. Within, I lied, within the first half, he fouled out the game. That was some pretty unprofessional. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Stay out the gate. Uh, you got a job to do, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. No, understandably <laughs> so. See, I'm used to just watching uh, mixed martial arts and the, the refereeing, they do very little. They stand back, they hopefully break it up in time. That's what you need to do. Make sure that nobody kills each other. Yeah, like, nobody that's kills it, that's them. It. We're good. <laughs> we're good. It. That's it. Yeah. So um, I have a little segment here on the podcast called The Chat Pack. Mm -hmm. um, I have some questions I've chosen for you, but you only get to pick randomly. Let's uh, do it. Let's do it, man. Best of luck. If you could bring back to life, not bring back to life, if you, if you could bring to life any fictional character from a book or a movie, whom would you choose? Oh, Oof. oh, there's so many good Oof. ones. And I'm sure you're a lover of fiction. Oh, man, <laughs> that's a tough one. Oh, gosh, man. Oh, my goodness. I got to think about this one. All right. I think mine would definitely have to come from a movie. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm leaning towards a movie. I'm leaning towards a movie. Huh. I'm trying to figure out who I was really like emotionally attached to that Ooh. that that died like in a movie. Mm. You know what I mean? And um hmm. That's a tough one. You know what this question is, though. Who you bring into the real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, Yeah, okay. yeah. But Damn. I'm emotionally attached to them in the movie, right? Yeah, <laughs> So they, yeah. they done passed. I'm going to bring them. Oh, back. is there someone from when you're like, oh, Mustafa. Oh. <laughs> Mustafa's yeah, yeah, Mustafa tough. would eat you, man. You yeah, don't want that. No, no. <laughs> don't Listen, Mustafa. I got some coyotes in my backyard right now. Oh, <laughs> oh Mustafa you might need might, Mustafa. <laughs> might help me out with that one. <laughs> 
Sheesh. That's a... Mm. Problem with me is most of my favorite characters are like really evil and crazy. Like who? <laughs> Give me one. Oh, I'm thinking of like Pulp Fiction characters and ah. like, you know, you don't want to bring Samuel L. Jackson back from that. No. He's not going to be good, but uh-uh. he's amazing in that movie. Uh-uh. <laughs> he's a great character. Wow. Listen, um, this is crazy and I probably shouldn't say this. And he's completely wrong in every aspect that he's done in life. Oh, I'm so excited. But the man developed an organization. He started from nothing and came to something. Fight Club? No, that's a good one. Which one? Which one? You? Which I'm, personality? I'm Brad, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Both, I guess. I'm actually thinking Scarface. Oh, I'm actually thinking Scarface. How dare you, but Doctor D? But I'm I'm saying this for uh, really. If you look at the influence of Scarface on generations, like that is it's, mm. it's it's huge, right? So. Minus all the stuff, the drugs and all that stuff, right? It's a lot of stuff. But, and I only said this to my kids, like, you have to develop multiple revenue streams when, you know, you get to a point, right? I love this answer. (laughs) So he had, you know, the reality, the real estate business. He obviously had the illegal activity. He had all these different things. But from a business, a pure basic business model, like he had a brilliant idea. And and I'll (laughs) I'll flip it to like Nike, right? So Nike don't just sell shoes, right? So I, I tell my kids all the time and I said, listen, you need to develop multiple revenue streams. Like you as an individual, you're a business. Like you could be, you know, you have your own brand, your own personality. But if you really want to be successful on that level in terms of money, you need to have multiple uh, business. That's streams. such a good answer. Hey, before we get out of here, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Man, I, I got to give a shout out to to Miss Natalie Scafidi because without her, I wouldn't be here right now. She's the best, and she's a Cowboys fan, so I have to uh, give her a big, big shout out. I want to give a big shout out to the whole town of Hamilton uh, for accepting me for who I am. Um, I'm really a transplant. Like I said, I'm from Glassboro, and um, just to to know that the community has embraced me and uh, you trust me with your your children, which is huge, and I, I try to do the best I can for them, and hopefully that the, you know the sky's the limit for them, and that that's really my my job is to to open the door and to expose them to as much as I possibly can. So um, shout out to them um, and all the families that you know my former students that I've had the uh, you know the blessing to be around. You've taught me so much too. Like I don't think. Students understand how much they actually have taught me in life in general. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you, man. Oh, you too, man. Hey, Dr. D, you are the (laughs) man. I appreciate you. And uh, I can't wait for my kids to be uh, under your wing in uh, a couple years. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It was fun, man. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Good times, man. We'll do it again sometime. Yes, sir. All right. right.